Welcome to the Ground Belief Podcast. I'm Chris Gadsden, your host. This episode is a recording of a presentation I gave last year at the Crew Winter Conference in Denver, Colorado, to a group of several hundred college students. The original title was The Myth of Certainty, Dealing with Doubts in the Christian Faith. And I gave that talk and wanted to include this in the podcast because I think there are a lot of people out there who are dealing with doubts and uncertainty about what they believe, both inside the Christian faith and outside the faith. I think people inside the faith um, think that when they have doubts and questions about Christianity, uh, that there's something wrong with that, that maybe they're in sin. And, and I think this is a misconception that really needs to be cleared up. And I think that for people outside the faith, when they're dealing with difficult questions about Christianity and doubts about what they believe, I think a lot of them are under the impression that until they have cleared away all those doubts and they can have absolute certainty that Christianity in all its aspects uh, is true, that they can't be um, Christians. They can't become people of faith. And I think that's also a misconception. So I hope this podcast will be helpful. I've split it into two parts. The first, I outline a model of how to think about faith and doubt and also look at how that might apply to some passages in the Bible. In the second episode, I'll, I'll develop it a little bit more and look at some significant passages in Scripture that talk about doubt. So in this first episode, hopefully you'll find this helpful and you can share it with people you know who are dealing with doubts in their own faith. Enjoy. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend Jonathan. Jonathan was a graduate student in the philosophy program with me my first year at Mizzou. And I have this picture of a cliff. This is a cliff at Capon Park, which is very close to the campus at Mizzou. People rock climb there sometimes. So there's a, a hiking trail that goes up to the top. And I have this picture of the cliff because faith is like jumping off a cliff. No, I'm just kidding. It's not at all like that. Um, because Jonathan and his wife, Jessica, had their wedding at the top of that cliff. Um, I officiated their wedding. It was a very, it was the most unusual wedding I've ever been a part of. I know I heard some, oh, because it sounds, but when you hear the rest of it, you'll think, oh, that's weird. Um, so this is, this is, you know, Jonathan is not a, not a believer. Uh, this is what their wedding consisted in. So we, we hiked up to the top of the trail, to that little spot. We opened a bottle of wine. We sat and talked for a while with a few friends. And we went for a hike. This is in the dead of winter, by the way. Uh, went for a hike through the woods, came back to the parking lot, signed the marriage documents, and they were married. That was it. We never talked about marriage. There was no exchanging of vows. There was just a signing of the papers. That was it. I, I told them ahead of time, I said, if you show up, you're consenting to be married. Okay, so that's your consent. So just if you show up. So it was a very bizarre uh, wedding. But, um, but Jonathan was an interesting guy, very, very, very nice person, very intelligent person. But his story, the, the story all before the wedding, um, about his own spiritual journey is kind of a tragic story that I've heard repeated many times over the years. And it goes something like this, and maybe you can relate to this. So he grew up in a Christian home, going to church, and about junior high school, about that time, he started to like, have questions about the Bible and about certain Christian ideas, and he started to ask those questions, like his Sunday school teacher or his pastor. And their response was basically, stop asking questions. You need to just have more faith. And it's a sin to question your faith, and you just need to believe. 
And so I think Jonathan just shut down, um, just kind of locked all those things, stuffed all those things away. And I think he came to the conclusion, he's like, well, I guess since the reason they're shutting me down must be because there just aren't any good answers to these questions. And so Christianity must just be a sham, must just be a, you know, smoke and mirrors. It's like the wizard hiding behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz, you know. It turns out it's all smoke and mirrors. And that maybe that's all Christianity is. So that's why I better not ask any questions. And so it didn't take long after that, even when he went to a Christian college, it didn't take long for him to, to just, for his faith to unravel. And I think it, at some point he just woke up and he's like, you know, I just don't believe this anymore. And when I met him, when he was a grad student, he, he was an atheist. Didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Christianity. Um, and it was tragic, you know. And it's, it's tragic because I can't help thinking if he had had a different response from his pastor or his Sunday school teacher when he asked those questions, when he was having doubts, when he was having concerns. If he had had a different response, things might have gone differently for him. And I think there are many probably people in this room who've had a similar experience, but maybe you, got a, you had a different response, or maybe you had that response but then worked it out for yourself by just getting on the Internet and searching for resources. But, but I think what happens is in the church we have this very negative picture of doubt. We think of doubt as being a sin, and that is not biblical. Um, and so we respond to it in the wrong way. We have this, this bad model of thinking about doubt. So, so this is what I want to do today. So I want to persuade you that doubt is healthy, normal, and can be useful in your walk with God. It's healthy, normal, and can be useful in your walk with God. So my heart is, as we go through all these details, and there's going to be a lot of information, but I really think it's going to be helpful if you hang with me, is... I know there are some, I mean, everybody has doubts. Let's just be honest, okay? If you've never had a doubt, it's probably because your, your brain's not working. Um, or you just don't talk to anybody, you know? So we all have doubts, and we all sometimes struggle with those, and we feel bad about it, we feel guilty about it, feel like something's wrong with us. Um, and you're the ones I want to talk to, right? You're the ones that, I'm, that I put together the seminar for, because I want to persuade you that it's healthy, it's normal and it can help you in your walk with God. And it's not something to be feared or hidden. Um, so if that's you, I hope this will, be, this will be helpful for you. So here's a roadmap for what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a model of faith and doubt. Okay, this is the technical part. It's a lot of hard thinking, so I need you to stick with me. Um, I'm going to look at a few problem passages in Scripture, ones that often pop into our mind when we think about, well, wait, isn't doubt a sin? And then I'm going to look at some positive examples in Scripture of how doubt is portrayed, and then we'll do some q and I'll try to move quickly so we can get to the Q&A. So if you have questions as we go along, you know, jot them down or something so you can ask them at the end. Um, I love questions, so don't, don't pull any punches. Okay, so here's the model. What do I mean by a model? Um, well, here's, here's an example. Let me give you an analogy, okay? So here's an example of a model. This is a model of what people at one time thought our solar system, they didn't call it a solar system, but they thought our universe looked like, right? They thought the earth was at the center and all the other heavenly bodies, including the sun, moved in roughly circular orbits around the earth. And you could see why people would think that, right? I mean, you look at the sun, and it comes back the next day, you know? And you see the other planets moving in sort of these circular paths, right? More or less. Um, 
And so they thought, well, this must be how it is, right? Nobody could travel millions of light years away and look down at our solar system and go, oh, there it is. Okay. Nobody could do that. They put this together. They pieced this model together based on the observations of the motion of the planets and the sun, right? But then they started to make more careful observations and started to record data more, more accurately. And they began to see, you know, actually they don't move in perfect circles. They do, every now and then they make these little loop-de-loops. It's kind of weird. Why is that? So maybe, maybe we didn't have the model quite right. Maybe it's more like this, you know? So they make these little loop-de-loops, like, around the Earth. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah, because that's, that's what it, when they watch it, the planets, you know? Um, so that must be the model. That's a mess, right? I mean, we know now this is a really bad, I mean, it turned out this is a bad model. This is, this is probably wrong. So along comes Copernicus and goes, you know what? There's a better way. What if, what if we thought about it differently? What if we thought about it like this? What if we thought of the sun as being in the middle this is a different model now. And we thought of everything else going around the sun in sort of these roughly circular paths. And they looked at all their observations, and they're like, yeah, this fits. It fits actually a lot better. So now we don't have to have these loop-de-loop -loop things. Um, this makes sense. Wow, it's a much better model. It makes sense of what we see and what we experience, right? And it's, it's actually much more simple, much more elegant. And so, so this is... We use models like this in science. We use it in all kinds of things. But we can use it in, in, our, in Christian living, Christian thinking, Christian theology. So what I want to do is give you a model of, of faith and doubt that I think will be helpful um, in making sense of your experiences and, and something that's more biblical than what the ordinary model. And I think this is more or less what the ordinary Christian model is for thinking about faith and doubt. It's this binary model. It's either off or on, one or zero, all or nothing, right? So it's either faith or doubt. If you have faith, then you have zero doubt. And if you have any doubt, then you have no faith, right? It's all or nothing. You're either a faith person or a stinking doubter, right? One or the other. And this is hogwash. This is a terrible model. Not only does it not match our experience, but I don't think it's biblical either. And we're going to see that. Because I think people can have all different degrees of faith. Rather than a binary switch, it's more like a dimmer switch that slides up and down, right? More like this. Where your confidence in believing something can be zero, right? Where you think it's absolutely impossible. It could be 100, where you think it's absolutely certain. Or anywhere in between, right? We have a lot of confidence in some things and very little confidence in others. And so faith and doubt work kind of like that, right? To the degree that you have confidence or faith in something, you have very little doubt. And if you have a ton of doubt, then you have very little confidence. So, so think of it this way. And this is ordinary. I'm going to use belief and faith more or less interchangeably for right now, even though they're not exactly the same thing. But we can talk about that in the Q&A if you want to. But this is not just for, for Christian faith, but for any ordinary beliefs you have, right? So... I'm going to put uh, a line right here at 50%. And let's just say this is the threshold of belief. So if you cross over into the green, you believe something, right? And you can either have really strong, high confidence in that belief or very low confidence. But if you cross back over to 49% or lower, you don't believe it, right? And you can have very strong disbelief or, you know, just sort of barely disbelieve it, right? It can be degrees there. But this is the threshold. Either you believe it or you don't, 
right? Either you have faith or you don't on this, okay? So that's roughly how it's going to go. So an example of something like this, where I have the little, the little slider right now, is like, you know, I have a, I have a minivan. It's a 2002. It's very old. Um, and I, if you ask me, Chris, is that minivan going to get you home safely to Missouri? I'd say, yeah, I believe it will. Am I certain? Do I have absolute certainty? No. It's an old minivan. Things could go wrong with it. But we'd recently had some work done on it. I think it's in pretty good shape. So I'd say I'm about 75% confident maybe, you know, somewhere around here. So it's possible something could go wrong. I mean, it is an old car. You never know. Could hit a deer or something, you know. But, but I do believe, if you ask me, do you believe it'll get you home? I'd say, yes, I believe it. Do you have any questions or doubts? Yeah, a little bit, right? Now, on the other hand, if you said, Chris, do you believe that minivan will get you to Denver and back in 10 years from now? Probably not. I don't believe that, right? Because it's probably going to be retired by then, unless I sink like thousands and thousands of dollars into it, which I'm not going to do. So if you say, do you believe it will get you here to Denver 10 years from now? No, I don't believe that. Is it absolutely, do I, is there any chance it could, well, maybe, you know, it could still be around. Maybe a miracle could happen. I don't know. But So there's some chance that it could happen. But for the most part, I disbelieve that. I don't believe it will still be reliable 10 years from now. Making sense so far? And then there are things that are right in the middle on. So if you said, Chris, do you think there are an even number of stars in the universe? I have no idea, right? I just have no, I don't know what to think about that. I don't believe there are, but I don't disbelieve that there are. I just don't have a belief either way. I'm kind of undecided, right? I mean, what reason could you possibly have to think the number of stars is even or odd, right? So I'm just at 50%. I don't believe it. I don't disbelieve it. I'm undecided, right? So that's more or less three places you could either believe something, you can disbelieve it, or you can be undecided, okay? With me so far? Okay. This is all going to turn out to be really helpful later. All right. So again, this is a way to think about it. To the degree that you have confidence, you have very little doubt. They're sort of complementary, right? They sort of, it's like light and darkness, um, and to the degree you have doubt, then you're going to have, if you have a lot of doubt, you're going to have very little confidence that something is true. Okay? And if it's below 50%, you don't believe it or you don't have faith in it. Right? Okay. So now let's talk about what the scriptures, how they talk about faith. Let's just talk about faith in particular now. Um, can you have absolute certainty right, about God or about the gospel? Can you have perfect faith? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 seems to hint at this, right? He says, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. Now I know in part, he talks about seeing through a glass dimly. It's like looking through a dirty window. You, you, know, you can kind of see who's out there, but you is that George? I can't quite tell, right? You know, you know in part, but, but then, then, at some other time in the future, then I will know fully, just as I'm fully known. All perfect knowledge, right? So that then is probably talking about what? What's he talking about? This is the interactive part. Heaven, right? It's probably talking about heaven. You stand face to face. You see God face to face. You're like, God exists. I have no doubt, right? <laughs> that may not even be faith anymore. It may just be flat out knowledge, right? Because Romans 8.25 talks about we don't hope for what we see, right? We only hope for things that we don't see. Hope and faith are very similar, um, 
So you don't have faith in things that you have absolute certainty about. So, but if there is such a thing as perfect faith, 100% certainty, no doubt, if there is such a thing, then it does not happen in this lifetime for any human being. It's something you might experience in heaven, but not in this lifetime. Because in this lifetime, because of your limitations, because you're just a little person in a very big world, right? You're, you're not God. You don't have all knowledge. You're very, you're very limited. You have a very limited perspective. You know, we're not geniuses. You know, we, have, we make mistakes. We have fears and anxieties. We have sinful natures. We have all kinds of things that can trip us up. And so we get things wrong. We don't know things. We're ignorant about lots of stuff. There's no way we can have absolute certainty about anything except our own existence, maybe. Right? Okay, so perfect faith only in heaven, probably. But what about this? Often people are referred to as having great faith, right? So Jesus talks about this. So this is very high on the scale, but I'd say just short of, of it's going to be short of certainty, right? But very high, very high confidence. People with great faith. Talk to the uh, Syrophoenician woman. Oh, woman, great is your faith. She believed that Jesus could heal her daughter, right? Um, the centurion, Jesus said, truly I tell you with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Because he believed that Jesus could heal his servant without even going there. Could do it from a distance. That's great faith, right? He had great confidence, very little doubt that Jesus could do these things. Um, but sometimes Jesus talks about people having little faith, right? Or struggling, having significant doubt. So there's a, a story where um, there's a man who's, whose son has a demon and the father's like, please help my son. And Jesus is like, well, you need to believe. And he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Right? He's, it's like saying, you know, I'm just over that 50%. I do believe. I believe you can do it, but I'm really struggling. I have so much doubt. I'm really having a hard time. Help my unbelief. Right? So it's his faith is very weak. His faith is, is struggling. And Jesus always responds with great grace in these situations. Um, often to the disciples, he's, he says, oh, ye of little faith, right? When they just didn't believe, they just didn't have that confidence uh, in him and, and who he was. So you can have little faith, but I still think that's having faith, right? Still faith, but you just have some significant doubt. But there are cases also where people are right on the fence. Now there's a story in Acts where Paul goes to Berea and he talks to some Jewish people there and he tells them Jesus is the Messiah and how did they respond? Does anybody remember the story of the Bereans? What was their response to the story about Jesus being the Messiah? Yeah, they searched the scriptures to see if it was true. They're like, okay, Mr. Paul, we're a little skeptical here, right? So we don't know. I mean, this new Messiah thing, you know, we've heard different things. We're kind of a little skeptical, but we're going to give you a chance here. So we don't, we don't believe you, but we don't disbelieve you. We're not going to kick you out. We're undecided, but we're going to search the scriptures to find out, right? And I think if people do that, they'll come to see Jesus as the Messiah. So that's perfectly fine, right? If that's where you're at, keep searching, keep seeking. But there are also cases that are described where it seems like people are in a state of doubting, where it's a lack of belief, where it's unbelief, where it's a lack of faith, right? John 20, 27. Um, sorry, I've got this reference to Matthew 28. That's wrong. It's John 20, 27, where he says to them, stop doubting and believe, right? So don't, no longer doubt, but cross over into belief. Cross over into faith. You can, in your life, you can be at places of very high confidence or very low confidence, right? You can 
be at different places on this scale. That's what our experience tells us. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Ground Belief Podcast. I hope you'll share this with people you know who are dealing with doubts about what they believe. And keep an eye out for episode two where I develop the model a little bit more and examine a few key passages in the Bible that deal with the concept of doubts. Thanks again for listening and keep thinking.